I'm going to talk tonight on this subject. You have a rival. You have a rival. Second uh, Timothy chapter number two, and beginning to read at, at verse number, verse number three. Uh, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Verse 5, if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Verse 6, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruit. Now, now please don't, don't kick me out and... And please, I, I forgot to put those two. I'll, I'll keep an eye on that, okay? But this one here is one of my favorite versions of the Bible. My uh, really favorite version of the Bible is uh, the children's version. That's the one I like the best. I can understand that real good. But the contemporary English is one that is pretty good. And it says that soldiers on duty don't work at outside jobs. They try to please their commanding officer no one wins an athletic contest without obeying the rules. And verse 6, you guess you're not going to see it. And farmers who work hard are the first to eat what grows in their field. Farmers are the first to eat what grows in their field. Now when it says that soldiers don't work at outside jobs, that doesn't mean that they can't have a little hobby or something that they do on the side. But their number one priority and their number one focus in life, amen, is to please their commanding officers. In the subdivision we live in, there's an individual not far from our home that is in the Canadian military. And a few years ago, he was in, uh, well, he was stationed to be in, in Afghanistan. Now, you see, you and I, we could stand and behind our pulpits that we wanted to build and we could tell everyone what we agreed or disagreed with going to Afghanistan or not. We could say we agree with it or not agree with it. We could have our opinion. But our neighbor, he had no choice in the matter. Just before he went there, he was getting ready to go. He had to go for seven weeks to Oregon. There to train for out in the desert. And, and he went there for seven weeks. And while he was away there, he had a little girl that was born to his wife, his third child. Maybe his, the little boy, his second child. Amen. Was born to the family while he was in Oregon. He came back for seven weeks. His little boy could not walk, could not talk. And after seven weeks, he went for all together for somewhere around a year Amen. To Afghanistan with the Canadian military. When he came back from Afghanistan, when he got back, his little boy was walking. His little boy was talking and his little boy didn't know him. But he didn't have a choice because he was in the Canadian military and he had to do what his commanding officer told him to do. I want to come to this pulpit tonight and tell you that as apostolics, we're going to have the move of God that God wants us to have. There has to be something that gets a hold down deep inside of us that is not my opinion and is not what I want. It is not what I feel, but it's what he wants. And I'm going to surrender myself and I'm going to submit myself to the will of God. Athletic contests, and I'm not really a sports guy, but, but I do know that athletic contests, amen, that you have to obey the rules. Amen. You may be following the, the playoffs, a little late for that, but in the playoffs, in hockey, that if that, that person that's going to go in and score a goal, if he goes across the blue line, he in the opposing uh, uh, competitor to the one they're playing against, he goes across the blue line before, before the puck gets there, it's called off side and he is taken out and is, uh, there's a face off. Let me tell you today, amen, there's some rules and there's some things that we have to do if we're going to abide and have what God wants us to have. And farmers who work, uh, farmers who work hard in the field, I'm not a farmer but I've been around the farm a little bit and this much I know. I've walked through the potato field and I've walked through and I reached down and, and pulled the potato stock and cleaned it off and rubbed the sand off on my jeans and, and took that a big bite out of that. I've gone and pulled a carrot and ate that. I've gone and broke the yellow beans and ate that. I busted the peapods because I'm telling you, amen, that the one who works in the field, 
It's the first one. Can I tell you and just inject in here right now, amen, that if you want to get involved in the kingdom, if you want to get involved in the harvest, if you want to get involved in teaching Bible study and loving the lost, you, amen, will be the one that will participate and you will taste the fruits, amen, of your labor before anyone else will do it. You'll be sitting in the home teaching a Bible study and the revelation of the oneness of God will come, amen, and light will up and lives will be changed because you have got a hold of it. Can I tell you, amen, that we are in a war and there's a rivalry that's going on. Galatians chapter number four, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondman, but bondmaid, and the other by a free woman. A free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. By promise. There's a battle in, t- in, in the spiritual realm. There's a battle in our world. There's a battle in the church. Or who is going to control? A rivalry. Man, Mr. Webster said uh, you could go to Wikipedia and you can do whatever you want it to be. They will tell you that. But rivalry, Mr. Mr. Webster said, is a competition for the same person, the same thing, or superiority. Amen. In a cause or in a battle. Man, we know what it's like to compete for things. We really do. And like I've already said in, in sports, we know what it's like to get involved in that. When I was in grade seven in high school, Kevin was, Nisha, you were in my class in grade seven. Kevin Palmer and I were the two shortest guys in the class. We were really, really, really bad. Two shortest guys in the class. And I was 12 years of age wanting to impress everyone. And I was one of the shortest guys in the class. And so when it came to sports, I wasn't really, never really good at it and wasn't really, uh, really that into it. But I used to like to play ball in the summertime with some guys and, and get involved in that. And I was never the first one they picked, but I was never the last one they picked. I would be somewhere in the middle of the pack, you know, and they got the best ones. They, okay, Mel, you're a nice guy. You come on our team and keep us laughing or something. And, and so I'd be on the team and always felt me good because I wasn't the last one to be picked for the ball team. But then somewhere, I don't know, grade eight or somewhere in that, I don't know what happened. But I, uh, I, I grew about six inches uh, one year. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money. My dad worked hard. Amen. Had seven kids, and we didn't have a lot of money. And, and I had the first pedal pushers. We called them back there. Amen. In the mirror machine. And it wasn't because mom bought them for me. It's because I grew so much. And my, and my white socks would stick out, and my, and my jit was out there. And it was embarrassing to go to school and go anywhere else, but that's the way it was. That summer, when we went to pick our ball teams, amen, they picked me again about halfway through. And that day, that, that time when I would go and swing at the bat, I was about, about that far above the ball. I was swinging that, and it was awful. Amen, it was, it was the worst thing, worst experience. And finally, at the end of it, they would pick the worst player there was before me. I'd be last one there. I hate playing ball to this day. <laughs> Not really, but, but what happened? We know what it's like to compete. We know what it's like to win, and we know what it's like to fail when it comes to sports and jobs. We know what it's like to compete there for jobs. Amen. We know what it's like to compete for a position. Amen. Somewhere for a job or, or, or it's just some other thing. We don't know. This fall, we still may have a federal election and a provincial one. I don't really know what's going to happen yet with it. But if we do, there'll be rivalry between the positions and who's going to be in there. And Dan, some of you, he meant I was really smart. I got Pam when she was 14. Please don't tell the young people. I got her when she was 14 years of age before she found someone that was good looking, smart, and rich. I got her when she was young. That's how I did it. No, you say, how did she ever go to live with you? Hey, man, how did you ever? I got her when she was young. She didn't know any better. And now she's old and, and she's hooked. Yeah. Boyfriends and girlfriends and Man, a Bible school is, a, is kind of a comedy. And sometimes we'll sit in the office and it's comical. And a girl and a guy will like each other. They come to school in September and don't know each other. They've never seen each other until the opening day. And then by Christmas, they're getting married. <laughs> Can't live without each other. How did I ever live? And, and then by, 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 by March comes along, they've had three other ones. <laughs> Amen. But there's a rivalry that goes on and... We know what that's like. Oh, yeah. In some real estate markets, and I'll hurry with this. The competition is so strong. 
that they have bidding wars on a house this past late winter, early spring in the subdivision we're in, not far from us. Uh, on, on Monday, the house was listed, was listed on the real estate and it was on, on the internet. The sign wasn't up. It came out on Monday at 1 o'clock or maybe even before a Monday afternoon. The first person was in to view the house. That afternoon and early evening, five people were there. On Tuesday, they had an offer on the house. Amen. On, they rejected the offer. On Thursday, either Wednesday or Thursday, they sold the house for $10,000 more than they asked for it. And the sign was not yet up. On Saturday, this for sale sign went, and when the guy was done putting the for sale sign, he put the sold sign at the top. I'm talking about comp competition. I'm talking about rivalry, and we need to understand we're into it. I didn't come to waste amen, an hour of your time or 45 minutes of your time, and my wife told me before I come up, remember, 15 minutes maximum. <laughs> But I'm a Calhoun slash Dudley. Amen. And I have one of the problems I have is stubbornness. Amen. So Satan, we all know that he wants to defeat us and take everything we have. And we know that we're involved in a spiritual warfare. And sometimes they hear some people, when you hear them talk, you would think that that's, they spend their life, amen, fighting Satan. And Satan spends, spends his life trying to get after you, amen. But there's a little Sunday school story that I heard many, many years ago that I never forgot, amen. A little girl said that whenever someone knocks on the door to want me to go out and play, I look out through the peak hole. And when the devil is there, I turn around to Jesus and say, it's your turn now. Can I tell you, when I talk about rivalry, oh yeah, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in spiritual spiritual wickedness in high places. I believe we need to pray and get a hold of God. But I want you to know I'm not here tonight to fight against Satan. I'm not here tonight to somehow get into some uh, fist fight with, with him. He meant I'll pray and get a hold of God. And when God comes in, Jesus Christ went to Calvary. And at Calvary, he shed his blood. And Jesus will take care of Satan. He meant if I will allow him to do it. Sometimes he will use me in intercessory prayer. Sometimes he'll use me in a word. He meant directly from eternity. Sometimes he'll use me in a word from his written word. Amen. But Jesus is the one that has authority over Satan. Oh, yeah, I don't waste my time. Amen. Sometimes, and we see it a lot when people get involved in spiritual ministry and start praying and fasting. The first thing they want to do is kick the, uh, the eyes out of the devil. Amen. They want to get cowboy boots with real, with real pointed toes so they can go chasing the devil. Amen. I never get up one morning. Amen. I don't know if I ever did get up one morning to say, devil, amen, today I'm coming after you. If hell comes after me, I've got a God that will wrap his arms around me and protect me and I'll walk with me. I don't go outside the doors. I don't go to work. I don't go to the mall. I don't go to the restaurant looking for hell. Amen. I go looking for lost people. I go looking for hurting people. I go looking for someone that I can touch for the cause of God. Oh yeah. But flesh against the spirit. Amen. That's the battle we have. Flesh against the spirit in the church. Abel and Cain. I mean, oh yeah. Abel had, had the blood sacrifice that God demanded. And Cain, there was nothing wrong with his sacrifice. It was the fruit of the ground. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to bring first fruits of all of our increase. So it wasn't wrong to bring the first fruits. Amen. That wasn't what was wrong. But Cain was disobeying God and it going against him. Can I tell you, amen, there's a battle on what's going to control the church. Is it going to be spiritual worship or is it going to be a natural thing? Thank God that we're part of a church family. Thank God for the ministry team that if anything gets out of sight, amen, our pastors will come to this pulpit and take over and say, no, no, that's not the way is going to go. I love fast singing songs. I, I like contemporary. Amen. I like it a little bit edgy. I, I, I like a traditional. I, I like southern gospel. But my favorite, amen, is classical. Sometimes I'll get in the car and, get, and go even put on opera music and my family thinks I'm absolutely weird. But I want you to know it's not the style of music that we're singing but oh, somehow it's who we're singing about. It's who we're exalting and magnifying. And in the church of a living God, we need to come back to a place that we need apostolic worship. I said we need apostolic worship. We need apostolic worship that will touch our men and touch our women. 
Amen. The youth are out there. And sometimes we look at our youth, and I'm guilty of it too, and we can point our fingers. But can I tell you, mom and dad and Grammy and Grappy, there are people in here that you've been serving God, amen, for 60, 70 years or more. Can I tell you, you know how it's done. You might not be able to run the aisles like you used to. You might not be able to dance like Noel Phillips can dance. But let me tell you, you can reach out with your heart. You can reach out with your spirit and worship God and let God know and let the world know that as a capital community church, amen, it's going to be a church where there's a spiritual move of God. I was in a church some time ago preaching, and I want to tell you where. It wasn't this one. And the service was going, and it was high, and I love it high. And I don't run as much as I used to and don't dance as long as I used to, but I still like to dance and run the aisles. And, and I love it wound up, and, and all of a sudden the song, the song changed a little bit, and it went from one song to another. Down on this side in the front pew, the pastor's wife was, oh, I shouldn't have said that, there was a woman standing there, amen, and it wasn't this one, okay, but there was a woman that was standing there, and she was talking to a woman next to her, Man, she was chewing gum, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching against that. I had a chew drawer in worship service just in case someone got too close to my keto breath. But she was there, and she was chewing gum and carrying on a conversation with her neighbor. And the song started, and the beat started, went a different beat, and it went. And all of a sudden, she took off and ran around that big sanctuary two or three times and came back and stopped, picked up her conversation, and was chewing her gum at the same speed. I've got news for you. That wasn't even praise. I said, that wasn't even praise. That was someone just having a run, and it was good exercise. But, oh, give me a man. Give me a woman. Give it someone that's old or someone that's young. It doesn't matter if it's fast or if it's slow. It doesn't matter if it's new or if it's as old as old can be what matters is his exalting Jesus Christ is that magnifying him and lifting him up amen and there's something inside of me that I need to have apostolic worship Isaac and Ishmael church growth or apostolic revival I'm sorry and but I I'm not sorry but but I, I came from a, a lineage of apostolics my Grammy Dudley, he meant Glenda's mom. My Grammy Dudley, a man got the Holy Ghost at a prayer meeting. And when she got the Holy Ghost, man, the DNA, spiritual DNA of our family changed. It wasn't a, 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 a shutty eye and talking in tongues for three minutes and that was it. But our family was changed and it was changed forever and ever and ever and ever because someone got a hold of something. Hey man, I'll tell you what our world needs. Oh yeah, we'll do programs to have church growth we want people to come and we'll do it but we're not satisfied with having a number on the board there's something in our spirit that says oh God Fredericton New Brunswick Canada we need an old fashioned apostolic revival that will shake our city that will shake our government that will shake our homes we need it we must have it we must have it we must have it Jacob and Esau spiritual leadership or entitlement I should say amen I am who I am I am fourth, fifth generation. If you go back to my great-grandparents, man, I came in at the same time, but so you can say fourth generation Pentecost. Amen. And so I have an entitlement. Look at me, dudes. Not by the hair of your chinny chin chin. Not if we're going to have an apostolic church. I said, not if we're going to have an apostolic church. It's not because my name is Calhoun. Amen. It's not because C.B. Dudley was my great uncle. Amen. And I thank God for the heritage I have. Amen. I cherish it and I pray about it often. I thank God for the heritage that I have. Amen. But if I do anything for God or if God does anything through me, it's not going to be because my name is Calhoun. It's not going to be because Vinny and Shirley is my mom and dad. But it's going to be because there's something inside of my heart and inside of my spirit. Amen. That's pulsating with the power and the anointing of God. Hallelujah. 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 If you think COVID-19 has messed us up, you ought to be at the Bible college. Amen. I, I, I'm saying this because it's after yesterday. Amen. Our board meeting. I told Brother, Brother Carter, he's the chairman of our board or whatever you call it, academic administrator. 
I, I told him, hey man, a week or week and a half ago, I went to St. John to have a meeting with him. I said, Brother Carter, I know, amen, my position is there. I know that, that I'm in my 15th year there. So I want you to understand that if you look at me, and Brother Brewer looks at me and says, Mel, hey man, I, I, we, we've got to move on. This is COVID. Our, our attendance is down. And this is going on. And this, we've, got to, we've got to make some decisions. And if you feel, amen, that I should move on, you won't hear a complaint from me because it's not about me. I said, it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about my kingdom but as about his kingdom I come by to tell you amen we need to realize that we need to have spiritual leadership David and Saul is it going to be God controlled or flesh controlled and I've got to hurry God controlled or is it going to be flesh controlled oh yeah oh yeah I'll move on every church has to make the decision you hear me and this is not a one time decision Pastor Woodward, this is not a one-time decision. Periodically, your pastoral team will call you to a time of prayer and call you to a time of fasting and consecration to God. You say, what are they doing? What are they doing? They'll come to this pulpit and preach an old-fashioned message to get us on our face before God. You say, what are they doing? What they leave it alone. What they're seeing is something's happening and we're becoming just another denomination, just another church and it's just becoming comfortable and we're coming and we've got good music and we've got some of the best preaching there is on the planet and we're coming and we're going through the motions and they're saying, that's not enough. 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 We need to get on our face we need to get a hold of God we need to get a hold of God because we need to make the decision we're going to have an apostolic revival hallelujah every preacher has to make the decision oh yeah every preacher some of you heard me and Bible college students former Bible college students have heard me tell it so many times a few years ago now a few years ago I was away preaching and as we are most weekend or have been up till COVID-19 came on the scene. And, and we were away preaching somewhere. I don't remember where it was. And, and I, it was just one of those weekends we were going to drive back on Sunday night after church. And I, it was a couple of hours drive. And, and, and we were going to drive back. And, 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 and so we were through. And it was one of those messages that I preached. And dad and mom's watching tonight. But mom wouldn't have even watched that one. <laughs> It was so bad. It was probably it was one of the most pitiful things. It was worse than tonight. It was that bad. It was one of the worst things. It was so bad that I knew it was bad. And on the way out the door, the pastor and some saints lied to me, shook my hand and told me how great it was to be there and how much they, may, they, they enjoyed the service and the message. And, and, I, and I get in feeling a little bit. And, and preachers, they know what I'm going to say next. And I get in the car and, and Pam got in the car, and I was waiting for her to lie to me. I said, Pam, come on, tell me how good I did. I didn't say that to her, but I, you know, I was wanting her to tell me that it was the best she ever heard. And, and uh, so we, we were getting in the car, and, and we drove for a little bit. And if you know Pam and I, and it's quiet, there's something wrong. And we drove, and there was no talking. There was no communication. There was nothing going. And, and we just, I kind of looked, and it was dark, and looking at the corner of my eye, and she was just looking ahead and wasn't saying anything. And, and finally, finally, I... I got this boldness come on me. It wasn't holy boldness. I got this boldness come on me. And I said, Pam, I said, How, how'd you enjoy the service tonight? It was a mistake, Pam. It was a mistake when I said to my Pam that. And she looked at me and she said, Well, how did you enjoy it? <laughs> Brother Bigger, I knew right then it was, the, it was out of this world. And I looked at her and I said, well, Pam, I, I didn't feel like I really connected. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to be nice. And instead of just saying, I blew it. I just don't feel like I really connected. And it's that woman that God gave me. <laughs> she looked at me. Me, a man of God. Ordained minister with the UPCI. And Pam Calhoun looked at me. And she said, it's just about time, isn't it? I knew what she was saying, but I didn't want to hear it. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she says, it's about time. You shut yourself in prayer. 
It was quiet coming home that night. Because I got news for you. Being a minister, ordained minister at UPCI is, is not enough. Being president of the Bible College is not enough. Great friends that I have is, is not enough. If I can't have the anointing of God, if I can't have the anointing of God. See, I, I don't really pray to be a great preacher. Oh, I, I want to be good enough that someone will listen. But I don't really pray to be a great preacher. But I do pray, oh God, let your anointing flow through me. Let me be a man of God. I, I don't care if I'm known when I die. I don't care if they say that he was a great preacher. But oh, if my family could just say that I know that dad prayed. I know that God, dad prayed. I know that he, he talked with God. Every preacher has to make that decision. Every church has to make that decision. But also every saint of God has to make that decision. You see, it's not enough to be apostolic in doctrine. You can have the right doctrine. And you can even have the right purpose. Amen. And have the right desire. That's not enough. There has to be something that gets a hold of you. That you become man enough or woman enough. Amen. And we used to say in the mirror machine, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Amen. And get yourself on your feet and grab your, grab get your carcass by the, by the scruff of your neck. Amen. And take it to an altar and make up his mind. Amen. You're going to live for God. You're going to walk with God. You're going to be a man of God. You're going to be a woman of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Within ourselves, we have it. See, a greater rival than your brother. Oh, yeah. It's a greater rival than your brother. I have, oh yeah, we make a joke about it. There was a, a friend of mine, he made, well, I was visiting him, a preacher friend of mine, a while ago, and I visited him. He said, he said to me, he said, Mel, how long have you been at the Bible college? And I told him, he said, you must hate students and parents by now. And I said, no, I have another group of people I have a problem with. And he said, who? And I said, it's pastors, it's preachers, are the ones I have a problem with. And Pastor Jack talked about it tonight. He meant, what happens? We're all leaders. We all, we, all, we all have a calling. We all have an anointing. We all know what to do. We all do things a little bit different. And if we're not careful, my rival can be Curtis Scott. My rival can be Nicky Sisko. My rival, hey, please excuse the phraseology, but my, my rival, hey, man, I can make it Jack Lehman, hey, man, or Raymond Woodward, but that's not who I'm battling against. Hey, man, they're not my battle. God knows how to take care of me on my side. But oh, I tell you what, my battle that I have, amen, the greatest battle that I have is with the guy I look in the mirror every morning. Every morning. You see, Isaac had a greater rival than, than Ishmael. Ishmael was there, but Isaac had someone that was greater, and that was himself. Oh yeah, Galatians chapter number three. Amen. Says, oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Oh yeah, this only would I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are ye now made perfect in the flesh? Oh, I could talk in right now can I tell you amen we are what we have because of the truth of the word of God the name of Jesus the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost amen when I was living in Moncton addicted amen to tobacco and a mind that was messed up oh yeah I was manager of a company but when I was living with Moncton amen it wasn't a self-help book and I've got lots of them I'm not preaching against them amen but what took nicotine out of my life what took the cuss words out of my life, amen, in a moment, few moments time, it was not some self-help book, it was not a patch that was on my arm, and I'm not preaching against him, I'm not, but I'm going to tell you what it was on a Sunday night R.E. Grace Priest, the spirit is ready, but the flesh is weak and that night I came to the altar, amen addicted by cigarettes, and addicted by life, and things in it, and a few minutes later, an hour later or so I got up and staggered back the aisle amen, free from two pack, over two packs a day habit, I'm telling you what we need. We need an old-fashioned apostolic move of God that will shake the sinner and will shake the saint alike. Oh, yeah. I didn't start this. 
Amen. Because of a religious organization. I didn't start this. Amen. Because of that. I started this because of an experience with Jesus Christ that changed my life and set me free from bondage and addictions. And I made up my mind. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. The devil may trip me. The devil may trick me. The devil may do all kinds of things. Amen. People may come and offend me, but you're not getting rid of me. I said, you're not getting rid of me. You're not getting rid of me. On Sunday after I mess up, I'm going to be through the door. I'm going to be in. I'm going to be at the altar. You say, what will you do? I'll call my pastor. I'll say, Pastor Woodward or Pastor Lehman, I messed up big time this week. Can you help me? And they'll pray with me and I'll get to church because I made up my mind. Amen. I'm going to make heaven my home and I'm part of the family of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't do it. Maybe this was stirred in me on Sunday morning. Sitting back there, service was coming to an end, and I watched some people that I know. I'm not talking about one or two, I'm talking about multiple people that walked out. I went, oh, they were here. But there was something missing that they used to have the joy of the Holy Ghost wasn't there anymore. They come to church, they probably given the offering and paid their tithes and could be more faithful than I am. Amen. But I want you to know. Amen. We need to have a fresh touch of God. Oh, yeah. Would you raise your hands and love him? Right now, would you do it? Jacob left home and on his way to Uncle Laban's house and stopped at Bethel. And we know the story of the, of the stairs, the ladder, and the angels. And one looking to the Son of Man at the top and the angels going up and down and Jacob's ladder every home almost used to have them in them years ago thank God that the style changes is all I can say and and Jacob get up and, and made a sacrifice and call it the, the house of God in Bethel there's a place and for the next almost 21 years amen he was blessed by God naturally he had a nice home around he, he had some of the nicest Nicest chariots around. Amen. He was blessed financially and materialistically. He got lots of servants and lots of cattle. His flocks was big and he even outgrew his father-in-law. Things were going pretty good for Jake. Amen. Things were pretty nice for him. I don't know what all it was. I don't know how it happened. But one morning he woke up. Maybe he was sitting on the porch on a rocker. I don't know if he had a porch or a rocker. I don't know how it was. But one day looking out through the field and he got to thinking about home and how it used to be. They're thinking about dad and dad's getting to be an old man now. And I, I you know what? And, and I, things are not the way they should be here. And I've got lots of stuff, but I've still got friction and problems. And because you see, stuff and materialism will never fill the void in your life. And he made up his mind and called his family in and said, I'm going back home again. And they said, okay. And on the way there, we know the story, and I won't take time for it. He had a little stop at a place called Peniel at a brook. And there he had a wrestling match all night long, and I love to preach about that. The next morning, he left Peniel with a limp and a stab. But one guy said, a spark in his eye, a shine in his eye. And the next time he went on, oh, he went on a little bit later and lost Rachel, and I don't have time to go into it. But finally, he found himself at Shechem there and there. Amen. The sin and the stuff that was gone against Diana, his daughter, and, and on and on it goes. And finally, finally, Jacob said, Hold beholder, boys, just a moment. I want all the idols. I want all the false gods. I want everything that's been brought in. I want it all. I want it all to come and be brought here. And by an old oak tree, they dug a big hole in the oak tree. Amen. Denotes judgment. And they buried their false god that was there. Amen. And they built another altar there. And prayed again. And Jacob said, this time is not going to be Bethel, but it's going to be El Bethel. Thank God for Capital Community Church. I don't know about you, but I hate online church. I, I, I'll do it, Mom and Dad. Amen. They love it because they can't get out to church anymore. And I understand it all, but I hate it staying home on Sunday and not getting to church. I really, really hate it that. 
Amen. Amen. And I love coming to church and I love that. And I love the music and I love the singing and I love the ministry of the word. Amen. I really, I love it. I love coming in here and just being here. I love you. I love the fellowship and the friendship. I love the camaraderie that we have to come together. But can I tell you, if this is all we got, just the building in us here and our music and all of that, amen, how sad it is and how sad it would be. But that's not the reason we keep coming back. The reason is because our pastors, amen, and because there's people in here that says it's not enough just to be the house of God it's not enough just, just to be the church of God in this area it's not enough just to be the place where we come together but what we need to have when we come together and when we go outside these doors we need to have God of the house of God I said we need to have God of the house of God you need to have it in here we need to have it in our worship we need to have it in our preaching we need to have it in our altar we need to have it when we go out and when you go to the restaurant you need to have it when you go to Tim Hortons you need to have it when you go to get gas you need to have it no matter where you go when you go for a walk there ought to be a smile on your face there ought to be a bounce in your step I had a pastor one time amen that told us as leadership and people said if you can't smile don't go to the pulpit said I don't care how tough your week has been I don't care what you've gone through amen I don't care what it is amen if you can't if you can't get to the pulpit amen and have the pile of smile, the, the, the spirit of God amen bubbling forth from you don't go there get someone else to play your guitar get someone else to play your keyboard get someone else to do it because those people that come in they need to see someone with the joy of God can I tell you you don't have to be happy with your situation you can be upset because life is going against you you can be you can be upset because of way that things have come against you amen in your life but I want you to know it's not God's fault amen and you don't have to be upset with God it's not the church's fault you don't have to be upset with the church when we come to the house of God there ought to be something coming forth from inside of us it's a presence and the touch of God I need God of the house of God. A while ago I was in my office. Man, and, and I, was, I was talking to God. And I, I just telling him some things. Man, and I telling him that it wasn't fair. Because I'm not really set up for retirement like I need to be. And, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm not complaining. Amen. But I was just kind of complaining to God. You know, if you never do that, come and talk to me. And I can tell you how often I've done it. And I complained to God. And, and God spoke to me. Amen, as clear as he ever spoke to me. And most of the time, and it wasn't an audible voice, it was a feeling, but most of the time when that happens, amen, I, I wish he wouldn't. Because <laughs> what he's doing, he's got something to tell me. And you know, everyone will say, no, God, speak to me. You better be careful. And so I, God said, hey, Mel, when you were 30 years of age, what did you do? I said, well, I went in the ministry. And God said, See, I knew what he wanted me to say, but I didn't want to say it. Because uh, when he gave me the question, I also knew what the answer was supposed to be. And he said, what did, what, did you, uh, what did you do when you were 30? And finally, I said, oh, God, we sold our new home in Moncton, and we had two new cars, and we got rid of them. And, and I was, uh, had my own truck, and I sold that. And, and we did all of that and, and moved into the little house in the Miramichi and for a year and went to Bible school. And, then I went to Bathurst, and, and I built the cupboards that was in that little trailer, and it was a mess. Yeah. There is no one that is as bad as I am. My wife will not ask me to paint. It was awful. And I said, God, well, God, what I did, I, when I was 30, I sold everything that I had and, and gave my life to you. Thank you, Sister Player, for all the kindness that you bestowed upon my wife and I during those days. I said, God, we sold our everything we had and, and gave it all to you. And, and God spoke into my spirit and said, Mel, when you were 30, when you had strength and you had youth, you had ability in front of you, you trusted me with your life. I said, yeah. He said, why now? When you're coming into your senior years, are you wanting to take that back and not trust me anymore? I sat at my desk and repented and wept bitter tears. And I don't cry easy, but I wept bitter tears because let me tell you, this world is going bad and it's going bad fast. But as every time the apostolic church needs to keep true to its roots, keeps true to what brought us to where we are, it's now. I said it's now. I don't have time to spend on David, Peter, Judas, and Demas. Oh, we preach about Judas. Better you were never born. But one time Judas was some mother's little boy. She nursed him. 
some dad or big brother or sister. He got a hold of their finger. and They learned him how to walk. He grew up as a young man. Amen. With a hunger for God. And when Jesus started his social ministry, he looked through all, all of Israel and he said, I want Judas and I trust him to be the treasurer. But somewhere in the journey of his relationship with God, he got looking at stuff and he got looking at things. He got more involved in money, got more involved in position than he was with his relationship with God. And Judas hung himself. And the scripture goes on and says it would have been better if you're never born. Demas, it doesn't say that he started snorting coke. It doesn't say that he became an alcoholic or adulterer. Paul just said, Demas has forsaken me, having love of this present world. Could it be that we could come to church Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday? No one would know by looking at us. Amen. We come to church and there hasn't been a whole lot changed about us. Only what's inside and we know, I know, and those closest to me. But most of all, God knows. And reality is we've stuck close to the church, stuck close to the group of people we know. But it could be possible there could be someone here tonight that no one may know. But you're not where you were in 1990, 1991 or 2000. Somehow something's come in and you're not in the place you used to be with God. Paul wrote over half the New Testament, they tell us. Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present with me. You see, we're all going to battle with ourselves. Paul said, there's, there's a spirit that God gives me of life, but then there's a spirit of the law that will destroy me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then in Romans 8, he said, for the law of the spirit of Christ had made me free from the law of, of sin and death. I preach a message sometimes on, on the man that I don't want to talk about. And that's the guy I really like to talk about him because I'm a Calhoun, but I don't really want to talk about anything bad about him. And that's me. Because you see, amen, yeah, I can be a president of a Bible college. I can preach in great churches across our fellowship. I can be trusted and loved by so many people. I can have a family that loves me, but I'm not careful. My relationship with God can go cold. My relationship with God can go cold. I can still love the doctrine. I can still love the lifestyle. But in reality, I'm so far from where I used to be. But Paul said, it's not done there because he said, there is the law of the Spirit of Christ that has made me free. I don't have to live under the law of the flesh. I can move on. He went all over to Philippians chapter 4 and he said, now, there's some things I can't do, amen, under the flesh, but I can do all things, all things through Christ. Even our Lord Jesus himself, and I know, and I'm not trying to, to make it less, but even Jesus in Gethsemane said, if it be possible, let this cup pass forth from me. Amen. I'd rather not. Amen. Rather not. The Spirit said, oh man, the Spirit was saying, yes, we're going because of the joy that's set before us. But the flesh was saying, I'd rather not go to Calvary. I'd rather not. Amen. Oh, I understand that for you and I, we battle with desiring the world. And his greatest battle was he didn't want sin to come into his pure, spotless life. Amen. But the flesh was saying no. But Jesus himself shut himself into a place of prayer. Amen. Amen. And after the flesh said, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, I've come to an understanding. I'm 66 years of age. Amen. It has taken me a long time. But I've come to an understanding. Hallelujah. It's not my will, but it's his will that matters. It's not if I get my own way, but does he get his own way. That's what, that's what matters. I've watched precious people that I've loved and I've pastored. I've taught home Bible studies to them. Amen. I've been friends with them. I've watched them defeat alcohol. Amen. I've watched them defeat drugs and immorality. Or defeat drugs and immorality. Got a hold of them. Amen. I've watched people defeat immorality. Then I watch bitterness get a hold of them. Amen, sir, ma'am, and all of your getting. 
Amen. No matter what happens, no matter what comes against you, no matter how you've been abused or talked about, don't allow bitterness to become part of the DNA of your spiritual life. It'll take you down faster than anything. I, I've, watched, I've watched people defeat poverty, but materialism, get a hold of them. I, I know a precious family. They didn't have a whole lot. Both of them, husband and wife, came from poor families. They both got decent jobs, and they were so faithful in church, involved in leadership in the church, and there they were, doing so good. They got some raises at work, and things went real well for them for several years. And one day, one day, they went to church, amen, and they told the pastor the awesome news. And please, I'm not preaching against this, amen. They told the pastor the awesome news. Pastor, I just want you to understand that we, on this past week, we were able to go to the bank, and we got ourselves a brand new travel trailer, a brand new travel trailer. Hey, hey, what about church? Oh, don't worry about us, amen. And at first, amen, they go on Friday night and come home on Saturday night. Then they moved a little closer, amen, a few months later, maybe even the next year, and they would go, amen, and they'd come home for church Sunday night, go back out to the trailer on Sunday afternoon, and then come in for church. Then after a while, they didn't come on Sunday morning, they come back for Sunday night, and then before long, they weren't coming, they weren't coming on Sunday night either, amen, all summer long, and come fall, they didn't come back to church. Can I tell you, I would to God that they had never been prosperous. I would to God that they had never got, they had never got that, nothing wrong with prosperity, nothing wrong with having a nice home and a nice car, nothing wrong with going on vacation, but can I tell you, amen, there's nothing that you can get in this life that ought to take you away from your relationship with God. You will battle it. I watched people be delivered from sin, but then flesh destroyed them. Flesh destroyed them. I read this a while ago, and I'm coming to a close. No music tonight, please. We have no enemy without that we need to fear. Our great conflict is with unconsecrated self. When we conquer self, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. I thought that must have been from the new magazine from headquarters that must have been put out in 2019, if not the winter of 2012, but it wasn't. That was from Review and Herald, an article in a magazine, March the 5th. 1908 because you see it's not a new battle for 2020 is a man age-old battle that we have to battle against is the spirit going to have its way in our life are we going to be apostolic are we going to have an apostolic church are we going to have a revival that's going to shake our city or are we going to be content just going through the motion an elder from our district years ago said this, anyone can live for the world. Anyone can live for the devil. All you have to do is go with the flow. But he said, and it was C.B. Dudley, it takes a real man. It takes a real woman to live for God. I remember him saying this, to look at this world and say, sorry, but no more. To look yourself in the face and say, my appetites and my lust will not control me any longer. I will be a man of God. The great thing is, when you say yes to God, he doesn't expect you to do it alone. Doesn't mean you won't have difficulties. Doesn't mean that you won't have dark nights. Doesn't matter that things won't be against you but doesn't expect you to do it alone. But he said he'd be there. He'd never leave you, never forsake you. And I'll get into some of Sunday messages if I'm not careful. And I'm done with this. Let's stand, please. Marie Blanchard said it like this. When you continuously compete with others, you become bitter. But when you continuously compete with yourself, you become better. Anyone here that's, I'm not asking you if you do, but I'm just telling you. Anyone that is in this room that they've got a degree from university or even their diploma from Bible college, 
Anyone here that's ever mastered any kind of a course at community college or anyone else will tell you they don't wake up every morning talking in tongues, excited to get out of bed and go write that final exam. But they have to shake themselves. They have to push themselves. The flesh will say, just 30 more minutes. And, and they will say, no, you can't. You've got 30 more minutes to cram. You need to write it. And all the university. You, you just can't. You just can't. A doctor. A nurse. No matter who it is, you look at them. And the reason they are where they are today is not because they're, oh yeah, they may have talents and ability, and, but it's not because they were that much smarter than anyone else. But what happened somewhere in their life, they got a hold of something. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an electrician. I'm going to be a carpenter. I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a pastor's wife. Whatever it is. And they made up their mind they're going to pay the price until they become what they feel their life is meant to be. Can I tell you, oh, wonderful, great apostolics in 2020. Amen. Pastor Woodward and Pastor Lehman. And they can call my, call my coattail anytime. They don't need a church family that's got more talent than is here. They don't need a church family that's got more ability. They don't even need people that have more money. But what they need to come alongside of them in Fredericton to Brunswick is a group of men and a group of women, young, old, and in between, that's not position hungry. Amen. That's not accolade hungry. But there's a hunger burning in their heart. God, I need to have a relationship with you. I want my life changed. I want our city reached. I want my family reached. Would you raise your hands and love him? God, I, I love this church, Lord. God, I sat in my office this morning wondering, Lord, whether I would really should go this route tonight. But God, I felt so strong in my spirit. And I feel I've delivered my soul. And I've obeyed you, Lord. And God, I'm in a church building tonight that's filled with good people. People that love their church. People that love their pastoral ministry. People that love the truth of the word of God. And thankful for that, Lord. I'm so thankful. God, I ask you to help each and every one of us. Mel and Pam Calhoun included, Lord that somehow we could take that extra step and just go a little bit further, Lord, and have complete victory over ourselves. Help us to understand that our flesh would take us to hell. Our flesh would take us out of the will of God. Our flesh would take us out of the plan of God. Our flesh would take us out of the purpose of God. This night, Lord, I ask you to reach into this congregation and touch us, Lord, and help us to be the church you want us to be in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Would you raise your hands and love him right now? Would you raise your hands and love him right now? Love as I turn this pulpit back, would you just turn, would you just love him right now?